Well, good morning. Welcome to the services. Thanks for uh, driving through the cold and the mess. Um, I like the cold. I like snow. I thought it was very beautiful. Uh, I did have to spend about three hours driving in it on Friday, which I didn't like. But um, thanks for uh, uh, coming in this morning and making it through the, the weather. We've been studying in Proverbs, and this morning we're going to talk about wealth and poverty. And I think Brother Danny mentioned it. Um, in his lesson last week, there is a tremendous amount in Proverbs and in the Bible about this concept of wealth and poverty. In fact, there's so much that, you know, you can take little pieces out of context every now and then and, uh, and really develop some unscriptural theologies and other things when it comes to wealth and money. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about those. First of all, I wanted to uh, make sure, you know, one of the things that the Bible says is money is the root of all evil. And so if we start with that concept, and I know everybody, or there's probably some of you that are maybe sitting on your hands and really wanting to add this little piece up here, that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's really in context what the Bible says. But you know, for me personally, I've heard preachers, I've heard other people, I've heard people that maybe that don't know a lot about the Bible just say that that um, money is the root of all evil. And I very quickly want to raise my hand to add in this first part, that it's really the love of money that's the root of all evil. And then I start inwardly reflecting about why is that first part so important to me. And it's because that helps me rationalize the other part, right? Because I can say, well, I don't love money. Pretty fond of it. Like to have a lot of it, but no. And so the love of money helps me rationalize the fact that this money can be the root of all kinds of evil. And so I just want us to open our hearts a little bit this morning and think about, from a very open perspective, this concept of money and poverty. Because all of us as I look around the room, would probably be considered in the wealthy category, especially as the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about wealth and poverty. And we'll talk about that a little bit as, uh, as we go through as well. First of all, there are a lot of theologies out there, and we're going to spend about three or four slides just kind of introducing some different various concepts that people have about what the Bible teaches about money and wealth. And there's this doctrine called the prosperity theology. And it's taken out of uh, context. Uh, In Malachi chapter 3, the Bible says, The Lord all-powerful says, Try this test. Bring one-tenth of your things to me. Put them in the treasury. Bring food to my house. Test me. If you do these things, I will surely bless you. Good things will come to you like rain falling from the sky. You will have more than enough of everything. We find the scripture in Philippians, it says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus through Jesus Christ, that through He and the... Let me start over. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet... For your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And so you can take some verses out of context and you can get this theology that says, if you're a Christian and you're living the way that you should, you're going to be rich. 
the Lord's going to bless you. He's going to give you all the money you ever want. He's going to give you everything that you need. And that's called this prosperity theology. And there's scriptures, again, kind of taken out of context that could back that up. Well, there's also this doctrine called the, the austerity theology. And this theology says that Christians don't hold on to the money. Any money you get, you give it away. You take care of the poor. If you're sitting on money, then you're just greedy, right? And so there's this doctrine that says, sell everything you've got, give it to the poor. And there's scriptures, obviously, that back that up, right? The rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 backs that up. Jesus had no place to lay his head. So if Jesus, the Son of God, didn't have any money, why are you sitting on cash? Right, And so there's this doctrine that says, give it all away. The parable of the rich young fool in Luke that's talking about, I've got all this stuff, I'm going to build barns. And there's, uh, as Jeremy mentioned, I counted them. Jeremy, 23 personal pronouns in that scripture referring to how I'm going to take care of myself because of all the stuff the Lord's given me. And so there's this, and, the, and it says, thy fool, this night your soul will be required of thee. And then whose are these things going to be? And so you start penciling this stuff together and you can get this doctrine that says, man, I don't need to hold on to my money. I should get rid of it. Priests and nuns, you know, in other religions, they take a poverty vow. They don't own anything. And so you get this concept that says, you should give your all of your money away. There's a preacher that I love to listen to that was a, a, a pastor in a mega church, thousands of members. I'm guessing he was drawing down a big salary, had a big house. He went over to Nigeria and he saw the poverty there and he came back and he sold everything that he has. And now he's preaching this doctrine that says, you know, you don't need to hold on to your money. You need to give it away. You need to help all of these people. It's, uh, you, you, just, you just don't need the money. And so this, he's preaching this austerity theology. You know, there's this concept that God loves rich people. And you can look at the Bible and you can see all of these folks that were so blessed by God, right? You got Abraham who was very rich, had all those possessions. Job who was rich, it got taken away from him and then it got given back to him and even more than he had when he started with. You've got Solomon and Zacchaeus and David and the other kings that were so blessed that had all of this money. And so God must love rich people. You could also say God hates rich people, right? You could look at, uh, come on, the rich man and Lazarus, right? The rich man that was so rich, fared sumptuously every day. When he dies, he's in torment and he's lift, he's getting burned up and he's in torment there. So God must hate rich people. James Throughout the book of James, and looking here in chapter 5 says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. We got the verse that says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. So God must hate rich people. And so Brother Matt and I were talking last Sunday, and he's like, Man, the Bible can almost seem like it contradicts itself on some of this wealth and poverty scripture. And it can because you take little bits and pieces and you start making your own theology and you ignore the rest of it. And we're going to talk this morning and try to bring all that together and figure out what that means. We'll use a term called tension when we get to the end. And hopefully all of this makes sense. So the, the purpose this morning is not to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, but rather let's use Proverbs and, and, and let's, let's try to clear some of this uh, confusion away. So first of all, I've got like 13 points I want to make primarily out of Proverbs. Maybe there's 14 because there is an A on one of them. 
So there's this concept in Proverbs called the middle class, and it comes from Proverbs chapter 30 and verse number 7. It says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not from me before I die. Remove from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So there's this concept introduced in Proverbs, and he's saying, Hey, I don't want to be so rich that I'm like the rich, the, the rich uh, fool in Luke, right? That it becomes all about me. That I now have so much money that I don't need to rely on you, God. I say, who is, who is the Lord? I'm taking care of myself because I've got all this money. So he says, I don't want to be there. I also don't want to be so poor that I steal food uh, in order to survive. So he says, I just want to be somewhere in the middle. That's, that's where this, this guy is, is uh, offering up this, this prayer to be. I just want to be somewhere in the middle. The Bible says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. So that's in First Timothy. So if you look at this verse, it says, uh, feed me with the food that is needful for me. So the middle class that we're really talking about here is just to have a food and clothing. Anything above that's really upper class in, in, uh, in New Testament and Old Testament teachings. The Bible here is just saying, give me food and clothing and therewith be content. The Bible and in, in Jesus talks about that and he talks about the lilies of the field, you know, they sold and, and all you really need. I'm going to give you food and clothing, which is all you really need. Above that, we would be considered wealthy. So if you've got anything more than food and clothing, consider yourself wealthy this morning. That's what we need to think about. So that's the first thing. Second of all, no pretenders, just be you. The Bible says better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. You can actually, um, this and have a servant could be interpreted to say better to be uh, lowly and be able to take care of myself than to be a great man and lack bread. So it's talking about putting on, putting on the dog, they used to say. You know, being somebody that you're not. Don't, don't do that. It says one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. So another saying is, you know, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, that's another thing that we use in, in our common vernacular. I happen to be a Jones, and I can tell you I'm still trying to keep up with some of those Joneses, like the one that was on the front of the board there a minute ago. There's always somebody richer, right? There's always somebody else to try to keep up with. doesn't matter how, how blessed you are, so don't pretend to be something that you're not. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted oxen and hatred within. So it's all about just being where you are with love. Number three, give freely. The Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Give freely, especially to the Lord. Talking about the first fruits, talking about giving Him not what's left at the end of the month, but giving Him what you earn first, then figuring out how you're going to live on the rest of it. So give Him your first fruits. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever has a bountiful owl will be blessed, and he share, for he shares his bread with the poor. 
So we're to give freely. We're to give freely to the Lord. We're to give freely to those that are in need, especially, it says, to the poor. This is the 3A. It is wrong to say bad things about your neighbors. Be kind to the poor and you will be blessed. Whoever takes advantage of the poor insults their maker, capital M meaning God, but whoever is kind to them honors him. And one of my favorites, giving help to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord. He will pay you back for your kindness. Do you ever want the Lord to owe you something? It says giving money to the poor is like loaning money to the Lord. It's pretty powerful. It says the next time you see the beggar on the side of the street and you've got $5, don't start trying to rationalize away whether he's going to go get in his Mercedes and go home or whether, you know, give the man the money if he needs the money. Give to the poor. It's like loaning to the Lord. He will pay you back. Fourth, poverty is not pretty. So one of the things that you'll see in some of the high class, highfalutin rich people is that they start romanticizing and glamorizing what it is to be poor. I wonder what it's like to be poor. I just wish I could be poor for a day. You know, poverty is not pretty. So the Bible says a rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. So again, this is talking about some attitudes. It says the rich man's kind of conceited. And it says the rich man, uh, it's like he's got this strong city. He's got some security in his wealth. It says the poor man, it's like he, uh, it's, uh, is, uh, it's their ruin. So they're undone. They get this, they get this downward thinking about themselves because they just see no hope. Poverty is their ruin. The poor is like, the poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Wealth brings many new friends, but a poor man is deserted by his friends. So poverty is not pretty. People aren't friends. People desert you in poverty. So poverty is not pretty. It's not something that we should be desiring. It's not something that should be romanticized. It's something that we should be as rich people trying to help solve. Number five, money does not equal security. This is a tough one for those of us in the U.S., right? We put our money in a 401k, we think we're secure. We start saving money, we start putting money away, and we think, hey, that gives me some security. The Bible just talked about it a little bit there when it talked about the rich man in his uh, in his city. It says a rich man wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination, meaning it's not real meaning that this big wall, this strong city that you've built around yourself with your money, it's only in your head. It's just an imagination. It doesn't exist. Whosoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. So especially in that day and time, but even today, rich people are... Uh, at risk, right? Somebody will steal one of their kids and you've got to pay money to get your kid back. Or they'll steal you and your family's got to pay money to get you back. Or they'll try to steal your riches. Rich people have certain risks. There's a ransom that they have got in front of them. But a poor man hears no threat. So money, your wealth, does not equal security. Don't cheat to get wealth, number six. The getting of treasure by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. Proverbs 21. Whosoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. 
Do not rob the poor because he is poor or crush the afflicted at the gate for the Lord will plead their cause and rob of life those who rob them. So it's important that we understand that we cannot cheat to get the wealth that we need, this security that we want, this desire to get more money. Cheating to get it won't work. It says that we're going to be called robbed of life those that uh, rob the poor to get it. So why um, why does poverty uh, come to us? So I got to thinking about this, and, and Proverbs says a lot about how you get poor, which I thought was interesting. It, it gives us a lot of warnings about how we can get poor or what it means to be poor that we've already talked about. So first of all, some poverty is caused by others. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind, Proverbs chapter 30. So it says there are some people out there, probably rich people, that have just made it their life's desire to pull money out of the poor population. So there's people out there that can take your money even when you're poor. And so, you know, you think about that, so as, you know, as, as wealthy people, as we negotiate with, as we talk to, as we work with people maybe that have less than we do, make sure we're not taking advantage of maybe our intelligence, maybe it's our position, maybe it's our wealth, to make somebody that's poor even poorer, right? So make sure we're not doing that. Some poverty is self-inflicted. So I've got a ton of verses here, and I didn't write them all up there. So idleness, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 14, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. Proverbs 20 and 13, love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will have plenty of bread. Proverbs 24 and 30 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard. That's the, the lazy, uh, lazy, idle person. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. So he said, I saw all of this, this vineyard that was kind of dilapidated and in torn torn up and had all this stuff wrong with it. He said, I considered it, looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So idleness leads to poverty. If we're lazy, if we're not willing to work, if we're all about getting sleep, then um, poverty will come, it says, like a robber, like an armed man. Sensuous self-indulgence. That one shocked me. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 17 says, Whosoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 20, we just read that one in the idleness section, but it says, Be not... Uh, or no, I'm sorry, that's, that one's coming up. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. So those that use no wisdom, poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction. 
but whosoever heeds reproof is honored. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. If you waste time and energy on frivolous things, it says, Whosoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And another, the other verse says, will have plenty of poverty, saying the very first thing at the beginning. So poverty can come upon us if we're idle, if we're all about, you know, chasing self-indulgences, if we're not smart and doing the things, if we're wasting time and uh, doing frivolous things. Hard work plus wisdom equals prosperity. So the ob- the opposite of how poverty comes, prosperity comes with hard work and wisdom. In uh, verse uh, chapter 6 and verse 6 of Proverbs, it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber. So this is what we read earlier. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and and want like an armed man. So the ant, it says, hey, lazy person, consider the ant. It gathers its stuff up and it stores it at the harvest so that through the wintertime it's got stuff to eat. Consider that. Hard work and wisdom. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of a diligent of, of the diligent makes rich. Love not sleep. Some of these same verses that we read a minute ago also apply to hard work and wisdom equaling to prosperity. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. So an interesting proverb there that might say, um, you know, they might preach against the lottery right there, right? So how many times have you seen um, basketball players and football players that make millions of dollars over a five-year career, and then three or four or five years later, they're filing bankruptcy, right? Because easy come, easy go, the old saying says. And same same thing with lottery winners. You've, you've heard of these, these people that barely have two dimes to rub together, spend a dollar on a lottery ticket, win a million dollars, and then a year and a half later, they don't have anything just to talk about, don't have any money, maybe filing bankruptcy. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Number nine, wealth isn't everything. It does not satisfy. It is inferior to wisdom. It is inferior to righteousness. It is inferior to the fear of the Lord. It is inferior to humility. It is inferior to good relationships. It is inferior to a good name. So wealth takes a back seat to a lot of things. And there's scriptures there that you can look up. I'll give you the... PowerPoint or send it to you if you're interested in looking all of those up. But wealth isn't everything, number nine. And strangely enough, the rich and the poor have a lot in common. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18, it says, The Lord suffered for the sins of the just and the unjust, and that it rains on the just and the unjust and that God shows no partiality. So you see, the important thing to consider here is there's no difference between the wealthy man and the poor man in God's eyes. There's no difference between the black man and the white man. There's no difference between the girl and the boy. There's no, he, he doesn't see any of those things. He sees a soul that he created and that he breathed life into. And so if you're rich, you have an opportunity to take care of someone that's poor. 
that's the opportunity. To, that's why there's a diversity, right? That's why everybody's not the same. If everybody's the same, then you wouldn't have an opportunity to take care of anybody else. It wouldn't make any difference. You couldn't be Christ-like in that regard. So he has this, he's given us this opportunity. And the rich and the poor, in his eyes, look a lot alike. Savings is okay. So you start seeing some things. A minute ago we said wealth wasn't security. But now we're going to say savings is okay. To Brother Matt's point last week, how does all this make sense? We'll try to make sense of it here in a minute. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all that he has. So it says, hey, a wise man stores up stuff. A foolish man just eats everything that he makes. Or he has. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hastily, surely hasty, surely to poverty in Proverbs 21. He who is impulsive exalts folly. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. He adds no sorrow to it. So it's it's clear here that it's okay to save, but yet money doesn't bring security. So we'll talk about that here in a minute. Finally, go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. We just read that, right? So she's saving up for the for the winter she's 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 harvesting and saving and then saving up for the winter so savings is okay budgeting is smart be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds but if anyone does not provide for his own especially of, of his household he is denied the face faith and is worse than an unbeliever for which of you intending to build a tower we know that in the, out of Luke chapter 14 it says you're going to count the cost you're going to figure out what it's going to cost before you get started building the tower so it's okay to plan. And then finally, and we'll pull all this together, so hopefully not too much longer. Don't cosign. It's stupid to guarantee someone else's loan. Can it be any plainer than that? <laughs> That's the ESV version. It's stupid to guarantee. You know, I was taught not to use that word. Don't call anybody stupid. And I'm not calling anybody stupid. I'm calling the action of guaranteeing someone else's loan stupid. That's what the Bible says. It goes on to say, do not be one of those who, sh- who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is a surety for debts. That means that you're co-signed someone else's debts. You're guaranteeing somebody else's debt. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should, why should he take away your bed from under you? And finally, he who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. So I don't think the Bible is teaching there against a dad co-signing for his daughter's car, or in my case, a dad co-signing for his daughter's education. Allison's got some student loans that I co-sign for. But what it is saying is you better be prepared to pay for it. You better be prepared to pay for that note if you put your name on the line and you co-sign it. That's what it's saying. It says, hey, it can, they can come take your bed away. So you better have the money and the ability to pay the note that you're co-signing for just like it's yours. If not, then that's pretty silly. It's pretty silly to put your name on the line to pay for something that you don't have the ability to pay for. <clears throat> So let's talk about this tension piece that I, I talked about earlier. So there's some things that are in tension. There's some things that are pulling against each other here. And so let's, uh, hopefully this is the part that brings all that other stuff kind of into context for you and gives it some meaning. So first of all, wealth is a sign of God's blessing. But wealth can also be one of your biggest temptations. 
So it's God blesses you with wealth on one side, but if you're all wrapped up in that wealth, it can be a huge temptation for you on the other side. Both of those are true. Money is an issue of faith. Believing if you uh, do it God's way, he will take care of you. That's what you've got to believe. You've got to do this his way. If you give your money away, he will give it back. That's what the Bible teaches. If you give your money to the poor, he's gonna, it's a loan. He's going to pay that back. So it's intention. It's okay to believe money is good, but if you believe it is great, then it's a snare to you. So those are intention. It's okay to believe it's okay, but you can't worship it. It can't be what's in the most important thing to you. <clears throat> Poverty is not pretty. Wealth is dangerous. Intention with each other. Work hard and smart, and you may acquire money if you desire if you desire it. If you desire getting that money, then you're a fool, the Bible says. So if you're desire, if you're desiring to try to get money, then you're, you're a fool. Wealth and success is a blessing from God. You are more blessed if you give your wealth to others. So God blesses you with wealth, but he says you're even more blessed if you give what I give you away. It's good to save money, but money is not security. That's, that's what we were talking about ago. That's intention. It's okay to save some money. It's, it's smart to save some money, but don't think that's going to be what saves you, right? That's not what's the most important thing. <clears throat> better to be financially secure or rich than to be poor, but it's better to be righteous, humble, wise, and fear God than it is to be rich. So it's okay to be rich, but that's not the most important thing. What's more important is that you're righteous and that you fear God and that you're doing what He says. So what all this says is, you got to keep everything in balance, and you got to be focused on God. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance and the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So wealth and poverty, that's uh, the lesson of the morning. Hopefully you found that interesting. I know there was a lot of scriptures, and I know there was a lot of stuff. We're going to talk, Lord willing, this afternoon. I told Michael there was so much stuff I couldn't put it all in one. We're going to talk about business by the book this afternoon with the book in air quotes and the book being the Bible. So we're going to talk about running a business, and there's a lot of folks in here that do that, uh, that are leaders in their business or have opportunities in their business. We're going to talk about doing that the way the Lord would have you do it. I read a book this weekend called about business to the glory of God. And so there's a lot of stuff out of that book. And I've referenced it and given you the information about it this afternoon in that, in that lesson, that PowerPoint. So this morning, think about, think about wealth and think about poverty and think about where you are in your state. Think about all the people that you see every day. There was a picture. I think it's in the, in the slide deck this afternoon of, of a lady walking by and she's finally dressed and she's carrying sacks or sacks of clothes, uh, walking by a poor guy sitting there on the curb, you know, drinking a cup of coffee, it looks like. And, you know, it just shows the two different states and it talks. And so the, the purpose of the lesson was to open your eyes to see how rich you are and the, the dichotomy of how poor other people are and for you to understand for all of us to understand our responsibility to help those that are in need. So when you pass by that guy that's panhandling for a, you know, something to eat that day, unless you're worried about how you're going to buy your supper that night, 
you probably should take care of that man. And none of us are probably in that regard, in that way. Matt and I, we passed a guy last week on the way. where We were going out to eat that night, and we passed a guy. I don't remember where it was, but he was panhandling, and we rolled down the window, and we, Matt and Connie and Sheila and I, we all gave him some money. You know, I, I've got that money to spare, right? The Lord gives that back to me very quickly, five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars He gives it back to me very quickly. And I think He does all of us. I think we're blessed tremendously. So take care of the poor when you have an opportunity to take care of the poor. That's a blessing that the Lord, that is an opportunity that the Lord has given you to be blessed. And all of us are. If there's uh, anything that we can uh, do for you this morning, if you would like prayers of the church, if you'd like to become a member, like to become a Christian, um, come and let your wishes be known as we stand and sing the songs been selected.